This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff with Goff Rugby Report, your host, and with, as always, Pat Clifton from Rugby Today and the coach at Lindenwood Belleville and Iona College's uh, fantastic coach and uh, um, the favorite of the brothers and the, and the, and the fathers at uh, Iona College, uh, Bruce McLean. And we actually had a show. We recorded a show. And we had a very strange uh, audio problem that meant that we didn't get to put it up. So we apologize for that. Um, so while I can't say it about the last show, this show is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Uh, check out news on what they're doing on Golf Rugby Report. And uh, guys, so we did we didn't we had did a whole show. We had a great time talking about the show, making predictions and and things, and those didn't come through. Uh, so we're back and. Um, much has happened since. How are we doing? Um, and Bruce, uh, did did you spend the weekend watching pro rugby on uh, AOL? I did speak about pro rugby and, and look look at it uh, very cursorily, but I uh, I actually went to the Iona Gala because Pat Quinn of ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, fame and a former Iona Rugger was a was being honored, and he gave a very inspirational speech, and he was fantastic. And I am so glad I went, and it was great. It was a it was a great representation of courage in in the face of adversity. And he spoke about that quite a bit, and it was uh, fantastic. And family, and the importance of of family and friends when you're when you're faced with adversity, and how they help you build strength going through. So, I was really glad I went there, and that was more important than anything else this weekend. Of course, and uh, and Pat, you had uh, a team playing a sevens tournament, but you managed to get uh, a little bit of viewing in too. Yeah, I did. Uh, we took a bus down to Atlanta about eight hours each way and uh, played some sevens rugby. And on the way back, I was able to stream through the bus Wi-Fi uh, pretty much all of the San Francisco-Sacramento games. So I did get to watch them. I've, I've been around the Internet uh, and watching some highlights from Denver and stuff like that. Yeah, so I had a lot of rugby for me this weekend, some live and some online. The interesting thing about your team is that uh, you're a Division Two team, but you've not really been playing in too many Division Two tournaments. You've been playing Division One tournaments, and you're trying you're trying to get a look as a Division Two team uh, to USA Rugby's uh, Sevens Nationals, which I think you should. I think Lindenwood Lindenwood Belleville should. I don't think that's really a a, a big stretch to say that. But um, you've been getting that kind of cachet. Playing against Division One teams, um, is that, I mean, why is that? Why do you make that decision? Well, I, we just wanted to. First off, teams don't come up with tournaments soon enough for us. I mean, I've got to like, for example, I've got to have my fall schedule uh, approved and finalized by June one. Which I guess isn't that big of a stretch for most people's fifteen stuff, but my my seventh season had to be done before uh, October was over. So I basically had to find the teams or the tournaments that were a drivable distance that made sense for us to schedule uh, was wise, whereas a lot of people don't even come up or set, set in stone their tournaments until January or February. So that's partially why we went where we did, but we also wanted to, I mean, not to bore everybody, but we, we wanted to get ready for Vegas. And uh, there weren't a lot of teams prior to, or tournaments prior to Vegas, and one of them was the South Independence Sevens Tournament in Tallahassee. And uh, they said, "Well, if you're going to play in one, would you would you like to play in two? So that's kind of why we signed up. But it's been good. The, the Division One teams that we played, um, some of them have been really good. Some of them haven't been really good. They just you know come from Division One colleges. But we only played in one Division Two tournament, and that was the one we hosted, and it was pretty darn good. UW Whitewater and Duluth, and even Principia, who was the 2013 champion, they're they're looking pretty good this year." It all stack up pretty nicely against a lot of the Division One teams. Oh, very good. You didn't. You didn't. Therefore, stack up uh, your um, your pools and make it easy for you, and just 
in have a tournament so you could win it. No, I tried to be as fair as possible. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I, I, I like, I like it. And, and, and division one versus division two kind of sometimes falls away when you're talking about sevens anyway. Um, if right. somebody's a division one team, because they have a lot of depth, well, um, you know, the, the, there are quite a few division one sevens teams that would have trouble hanging with somebody like whitewater. Um, you know, I think you'd agree with that, and certainly, oh yeah, certainly right. So we're not actually talking about college sevens, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, you know, here's here's a guy, uh, and not not to blow too much hot air up Paxton's skirt, but here's a guy who really has every reason to try and look for uh, a patsy, a tomato can, and uh, instead just looks for you know some of the toughest games uh, his teams can play. And uh, a, a lot of new programs have just looked around for easy games to to pad their one loss record. Um, I haven't seen that from. Wait till from you see you. our fifteen schedule in the fall. It's going to be a meat grinder. Yeah. Well, you know, well, you you you're, you were already in a conference that was probably the toughest conference in the country, and and your presence with a good team and and Northern Iowa going into that made it even tougher. That is in Division Two. Uh, so I mean, now what? Now what are you doing? Or is is it a big secret? Well, we're going to play life in Arkansas State, or I mean, Arkansas State and the other one or whatever year because it just makes sense to geographically, and they're pretty darn good, right? And then you know we're we're talking to Wheeling Jesuit and Notre Dame College about meeting halfway. Uh, we're going to play Tennessee. It looks like um, you know Davenport and Life are pretty close, so we're we're putting together a schedule that's uh, going to be pretty tough. I think one of the tougher fall schedules around that's not part of the, the Rugby East competition. Nice. nice. Speaking of the Rugby East, Bruce, how's it how's it looking? Because uh, I, I think it's sort of changing from debatable to kind of a fact. It's going to be the, the, the toughest, most interesting conference in college rugby. At least uh, for me, anyway. I think that it's a... Uh... It's always tough and interesting. I, I think that it's it's shaken out over the past couple of weeks. To, we still need to all get better as a conference, every one of us. So I, I, I love Rugby East, and I think it's amazing. I also think it's overrated. I, I, I think that, you know, top to bottom, we do have some very good teams, but they're very inconsistent. And I think that we, as a conference, need to get better because I think that we're living on, I think everybody's living on past successes and everybody's seeing the Rugby East teams in the light of that they, in in the way that they've seen them at their best and not in the way that they truly are consistently week to week. And and they don't have consistency week to week, and that's in any of the teams. Like they see Penn State as the great Penn State, but they're not an Army the same way. Oh, are we going to see the Army to play Cal to the wall, or are we going to see the Army that lost to BYU or Air Force? Are we going to see the Iona that beat Army, or are we going to see? The Iona that got wiped out by Penn State. Are we, you know what I mean? Are we going to see the Wheeling that got wiped out by Lindenwood, or are we going to see the, the the Wheeling that 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 wins critical games? And 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 that's where I think Rugby East is extremely interesting, but I don't think that Rugby East is consistent, and I think that it's slightly overrated at the current moment. I think that we have the ability to become a class conference, but we're not going to be a class conference until we're doing this week to week. Make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, except that I think that the the fact that at least within the conference you're seeing teams that that don't just sweep the table um, is a good thing. Well, I think it's not a matter of not sweeping the table. And, and you don't want teams to sweep the table, but you're not seeing teams that perform to their capability 
week in and week out and do it in and out of conference. Most rugby East teams have, say, two strong weeks, possibly three strong weeks in a row, and then they fall off. And when I say strong weeks, I mean they've played in three games where they could possibly lose them. doesn't mean that they would lose them, but that they have a 25 to 30% chance of losing them or better. And it, it's very difficult for a team to win those three in a row. And and that that's what – and also, team. I, I just think that the Rugby East teams need to be more consistent out of conference, and I think the Rugby East teams need to be more consistent in conference. And it's a difficult conference, and it's very physical, and most of the travel is decent distance in terms of um, – in terms of bus travel, so you know you get off a you get off a bus and you have to play and that kind of thing, but the reality is, I still think that we've not scratched the surface in our ability. I think that Bonaventure can and will be a lot better. I think that Wheeling has done really well and and probably should have done better and 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 will in the future. And I think that Penn State and Army are, you know, really going to be gunning to be top class and, and, and Kutztown is, is going to be gunning to be top class. And, 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 and don't forget Iona and Delaware. And I think that you being West Virginia are, are need to get to a different level, but I, I believe rugby East is a great conference, but I think it's an overrated conference. I, I, I think it's a great, con- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, you know, it make, makes sense. Look, I know we're, we're going to be talking about pro rugby on this show. Uh, the launch of pro rugby is big news for everybody. Um, a lot of people talking about it. Um, but before we get there, because we're talking about college rugby, I, 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 you know, instead of just sort of jumping um, from one, one topic to another, I do want to go back to uh, the show that we didn't get to record. Uh, when we were we were previewing some of the uh, playoffs and things like that, and and um, you didn't hear us make these predictions, so uh, I, I want to ask the guys uh, specifically on D one A and on Varsity Cup, but we might talk about D one AA as well. Um, Varsity Cup, were there any surprises for you? Any, and, any the only one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, yeah, that's fine. Were there any surprises? First of all. The only one that surprised me was was Dartmouth beating Penn State. Um, and I think that's probably, if there's a black mark on the rugby East that Bruce is talking to, that might be it. Um, obviously, uh, Dartmouth, they'd gotten blasted in the fall um, by Lindenwood. I think it, it was around about 100. I mean, it was a huge Yeah, it was 101 score. to 12, I think. That's the yeah, score that sticks I mean, in my mind. They had gotten blasted there. Um, and they lost some other games that, and they were, you know, some of the Ivy League games were closer than typically they were. So they lost to Boston College. Yeah. Which is right. not, is not like a, it's not embarrassing. Boston College is a good team, but they lost to Boston College, and I would think that they would expect to be better than Boston College. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And so, so I don't know what, what was going on with Dartmouth. It's, you know, they have that uh, winter quarter thing where they lose juniors if that is. Was it play? But I don't think anybody really expected Dartmouth to beat Penn State. So I was definitely surprised by that. But outside of that, I think it's been pretty well chalked. But I will say there have been some competitive matches. I mean, Army having Cal to the fire for you know seventy minutes was pretty impressive. Up twenty-two seven at one point, up twenty-nine to like twenty-eight. I think it was in the second half or something like that. It was a, it was a good game. It wasn't the one where. You know, somebody just puts together 15 minutes of good rugby. They managed to lose the lead, come back, and get regain the lead. That was a pretty good game. And uh, I guess uh, Arkansas Navy, uh, Arkansas State got way up big. I didn't get to see that game, but uh, Navy, you know, pulled a, a try at the end to be pretty close. There have been some competitive ones. That, that was Remember the, that was that the are, game that, that we basically circled and said, you really, it's going to be hard to pick. You know, Navy, Navy might win that one. Um, but Arkansas State might upset it, you know, upset the old uh, 
you know, getting the same top four. And we sort of said, who's going to, who's going to disrupt the, the top four Cal, BYU, Central Washington, and Navy, which has been the same last three years. And we all said Arkansas state. So. so. Right. And Arkansas state, I think I'm not saying they're back to the team that they had lost to BYU by seven in Rio Tinto, but they're good. And if they were on the other side of the bracket and they were playing Cal this weekend, I'd probably pick Arkansas state, but they're playing BYU. And I don't think BYU is beatable this year by anybody in the competition. Um, Okay, so this is a follow-up question. Both of you guys, I have my own opinion necessarily on this. Central Washington versus Cal, because we got two, we got the the two semifinals: BYU, Arkansas State, Central Washington, Cal. Central Washington, Cal. Is that is that just an automatic? Cal's going to win, or can Central no. Washington win? I think Central can win. I think Cal got put on notice this week, and uh, if Cal had cruised over Army, they might be. I think there is something to that. Um, the fact that there was a bit of a wake-up call uh, just one week prior, I think Cal's going to be on, on high alert. Um, but I do think it's definitely winnable by Central Washington. I mean, Cal's favorite, but I think it's uh, it's winnable. That's one I want to watch. Bruce, you think? I think that, yeah, definitely winnable, especially in a down-and-back travel. I think the down-and-back travel to the West Coast is difficult. So, you know, they went in, they went out and and it's not a not a friendly not a friendly travel for them. So it it's probably disrupting their work week. But I mean this isn't their first rodeo. <laughs> They've done this before. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes down. A lot of times you you know, you have you can't get into a game and find yourself 20, 25 minutes in, saying, holy crap, we can beat these guys. But you're down by nine points. It's too late. You're two scores back. You have to go in with the attitude that you can win and that you have a plan to do it and how you're going to go about doing it. If you go in and you concede points and try to catch up in a shortened game, with a nine-point spread or a 12-point spread, well, you're dead because you're just going to start chasing the game, doing stupid stuff, and that's exactly how good teams beat you. They get up on top of you, they wait for you to beat yourself, and they take advantage every single time. It's kind of kind of a, a, a really good opportunity for Central Washington to do this. Uh, if if they're going to do it, if they're going to make that jump, now is a really good time for them to do it. Uh, they are loaded with some really good talent and some experienced players, and uh, this is their chance. By the way, I was trying to figure out what was going on with the uh, the final and tickets and the venue for uh, um, the Varsity Cup, partly because somebody I was talking to on the phone was convinced that the Varsity Cup was being held in Berkeley, which it's not. And so I clicked on the tickets link on the Varsity Cup website, and this was over the weekend, and it took me to the link for buying tickets for last year, May 2nd, 2015, at Rio Tinto Stadium. It wasn't until just now, while we're recording this on a Monday, that I clicked on it just to see if it was still incorrect, that it's been changed. And I checked it again earlier today. It's finally been changed, saying May 7th, we'll tickets soon. Um, the Varsity Cup is being, the final is being held at Provo at Southfield. Um, I don't know, uh, and Pat, maybe you can put some insight in, into this. I don't think it's necessarily because... Um, Crowds haven't been stupendous at Rio Tinto, more that they're doing a refurbishment of that stadium, so they need some venue. Yeah, Rio Tinto was unavailable. Um, And so it's been a long process of where they were going to do it. They definitely were looking at Berkeley. They were looking at uh, Avaya Stadium. And uh, I think they wanted to... And look, BYU and Cal have been in the championship every year, and every time that it's in Salt Lake, they get X amount of thousands of fans. Um, so I don't think they want to go away from uh, what it seems like, you know, a, a go-to built-in fan base. So Provo makes sense. If I were Cal, I'd be getting tired of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that was the thought process. And Southfield well, is 
mean, they build it out. They can hold like seven thousand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it, they can venue. they can fill it up. And uh, um, the the other thing is, if the, if it's true, Central Washington does uh, does upset Cal this year, which they could do. Um, then suddenly they look like geniuses in keeping it in Utah. Uh, but you know, for, for for this this great this great company that runs this thing, it, it wasn't until uh, April eighteenth that they decided to change the link and not start talking about May second, twenty fifteen. Just a just a snotty comment from me on that. I will I will say one thing. Southfield is awesome. That's nice. Southfield is an awesome. But the only the only problem with playing at college venues, and my own included at Iona, at Cal was was bad too. Was the music that they play is so bad and so loud that you just want to strangle yourself. I I have our, I, I was I was talking. To our coaches pregame, and you can't, we can't even hear ourselves. We're old and deaf, and <laughs> there's all kinds of radical disco music. And my definition of disco is anything past Stevie Wonder. Um, and uh, I, I am, you know, all that they say hip hop, it's disco, and disco still sucks. And if Bill Beck was still alive, we could put our iPods in that thing, blast it out. And uh, and destroy all the disco, um, but can I, can I tell you a story about about uh, rugby music? Uh, I I was at the uh, um, the festival of youth in two thousand three in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and I was sitting up in the uh, it was basically a press elevated press box place, and also where they would doing the you know like the the scores and stuff like that and they had so they were really excited we've got a, a music system so we're going to play music we've got uh, cds you can play cds and so it's great and it's like do we have any cds and they had one and it was uh the guys who did uh, who let the dogs out and the problem the baja boys, the baja oh, boys. okay so here's the thing about the baja boys <laughs> Who Let the Dogs Out is the only safe-for-work song that they sing. <laughs> Everything else is, for a festival of youth, completely inappropriate. So we played Who Let the Dogs Out. Then we started playing something else. We listened to that for about 30 seconds. And I, and I looked at Eric Jerpy, who was actually working on it. I said, We're, you, you can't play this. Um, and so they played every, every downtime. Every every halftime between every game, they played "Who Let the Dogs Out" for for, for three days. That's brutal. It was, it was completely. I mean, it's not like anybody went out and bought a new CD. No. Well, is, I'll tell you, I don't even know what these people played at our games. <laughs> I go up and I try to say something to the people, and and it's our. We have media people, that, and it's our people, and I'm like. You know, they start off, I, I rock up two hours before the game. It's always like I hear Sweet Home Alabama. I'm starting to get into it. I might hear, like, uh, you know, Back in Black or something or, or Hell's Bells. And then it's like, then it just goes, it's a steady downhill climb. <laughs> I feel like Eddie Eagle doing the, the Olympic you know, ski jump as I'm f- going down the hill, scared out of my wits with with giant spectacles like Pat Clifton and just sitting there like, what the heck is going on in my life? I Yeah, I can't deal with this college rugby crap with all these loud, bad music. This weekend in Atlanta, Atlanta Old White's playing, you know, like the background elevator music for everybody. It was actually really good. And my guys are playing the, the disco, as Bruce put it. But I made them turn off when I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston came on. Because I <laughs> just needed them to appreciate that timeless song, and they did. You know what? I really love the fact that they, if we don't have a live singer for the national anthem, which is quite rare, we, we do play Whitney Houston's national anthem. And, and really, I just... There's nothing like a crackhead entertaining us. It's 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 a beautiful thing. I mean, crack crack destroyed one of the most beautiful 
richest, most successful people on our planet basically died like Elvis in a pile of crack. Do you remember? Okay, uh, three three words of advice then for uh, BYU hosting the the Varsity Cup final. Uh, You should not have crack. uh, No, I was thinking Mormon Tabernacle Choir. That would be my advice. D1A rugby. Uh, so we, we, we also had a, a bunch of D1A uh, playoffs, uh, and, and right now we're looking ahead uh, to uh, uh, to the quarterfinals. St. Mary's is going to play Cal Poly or Air Force or somebody because their uh, Cal Poly and Air Force's game got snowed out. Uh, Davenport's going to go play at Life. Lindenwood's going to go play at Indiana. And Arizona is going to play Utah. First of all, any surprise results from uh, the, the first round for anyone? No, not nothing, really, nothing no. shocking. I mean, Arizona beating LSU was the only one that was really like, huh, let's see how this goes. I mean, I, it was really just sort of a, a question. And actually, Arizona looked pretty good um, with not their full-strength side. Um, Bruce, do you see any, any question mark games coming up? Well, I didn't. I didn't. You see weren't any, paying attention. I, I didn't see any prior, but w- what are the matchups? Uh, St. Mary's against somebody, uh, Cal Poly or Air Force, right? St. Mary's wins that. Yeah. Yeah. Davenport at Life. Life it's going to be that. Life, right? Yeah. Lindenwood versus Indiana and uh, Arizona against Utah. Well, Arizona Utah. I don't know what the result will necessarily be. Arizona's having a double travel hit, so I'd, I'd probably have to say Utah would be the favorite. Um, I, you know, I, it, it's it's tough. To, and, and who's Lindenwood playing? Indiana, which you know, I actually I I think that's going to be uh, an interesting game because uh, the their paths haven't crossed very much. Uh, Lindenwood uh, uh, obviously played two close games with Davenport in uh, conference play. They won both of those. Uh, Indiana actually played Davenport back in the fall. They won that. They won that by a point. So maybe that's our frame of reference. Uh, Indiana played most of their season in the fall. Uh, they're a club team. Lindenwood's basically a varsity team. Um, but it's a very good, very experienced Indiana team. I kind of think we might see something interesting uh, with that. We'll we'll see. We'll, I guess we'll just see. Also, the other the other matchup, uh, Arizona Utah. They've already played each other as well, and in fact, uh, that was back in uh, January. Uh, Utah won thirty nine thirty one in that game. I think Utah's kind of beat up though, and I think Arizona is a better team now. What do you guys think? Um, I Utah's been playing a ton of rugby. I mean, it's like they don't say no to anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Arizona's also missing a handful of guys to the U twenties. Lindenwood's um, missing a few important players to the U twenties, but they've got probably the deepest roster around um, when you consider the amount of players they have and, and how good it, it goes when they go deep. Um, so I think that they'll beat Indiana, but I, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I think Arizona, Utah is going to be a bit of a toss up um, because uh, Arizona is missing some pretty important guys. All right. So that's, that's your, uh, that's your game right there. And you know, it looks like it's still going to be St. Mary's life. I don't think, uh, there's anything there? D1 Double A playoffs. Did you see any surprises? I guess I saw one, but uh, uh, maybe two. I guess Middle Tennessee over FIU was kind of surprising, just considering um, that uh, FIU had won the conference game, but that was yeah. the last play of the game. So, not necessarily surprising that they won. I think they won pretty emphatically, right? Yeah, they did. They didn't seem surprised. I guess that was the that was the thing that. Um, the 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 Middle Tennessee State guys did not seem surprised that they were going to win that like that, right? So, um, uh, Utah State going to University of Washington. We didn't know anything about Utah State really, so I guess there was really not much else there. And then uh, um, Sacramento State, the number two team from uh, Pacific West, going down to Long Beach State and beating them. I guess that was the one, right? A number two seed beats a number one seed. Um, so we'll see. That's AIT's 
going double AI. Still, I like AIC against UC Davis. That's kind of what I'm looking at. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, should be really exciting. I'm I'm excited that uh, AIC is in that playoff and and they're ready to go. Hey, we had uh, we have a professional rugby uh, league debut. Uh, we've got five teams with full rosters. Uh, some. Players who are well-known internationally, even if maybe they're, well, certainly they're at the tail end of their careers. Uh, and a bunch of really nice uh, domestic players uh, from different backgrounds. Uh, some players from overseas coming back to the fold, like Taku Nguenya, um coming back to the, the international fold. Um, but what did we think? Uh, by the way, I'm looking at the highlights of Denver versus Ohio, and there's a guy with a f- full breakaway uh, with no one anywhere near him, and he slides and hits the ground before he gets to the try line and drops a ball. That's Sean Davies, and that so happened like that. three times in that game for Ohio. So they definitely should have won. That's a bit of a blunder. I know it's tough to start from that point to the standard of play was good, but I was impressed by the pace of play, the standard of play. Obviously, some continuity issues in terms of timing with new teammates and stuff like that. But I actually was impressed by the speed of the game and the, the uh, standard of play. I was also impressed by the crowds. The fact that anybody showed up in Denver where they got almost four feet of snow this weekend is impressive. Um, and uh, from what I saw about uh, at a Bonnie Field in Sacramento, there were multiple thousands of people there, and, and the crowd was pretty healthy. Um, you know, I... Infinity Park, it was snowing and cold, and I, I don't know if you can really blame them to a certain extent. Um, More than snowing and cold, I mean, the, four feet of snow is, is a legitimate amount of snow. Yeah. It's not some flurries. Some they did have some people there. They did, they did have people. I've seen fewer people in Infinity Park on a sunny day. So, For sure. Uh, they, they had a... They had a few people. Uh, the it it does seem like Sunday would be your day to play because people are still playing rugby on Saturday. Agreed. So you're gonna you're gonna gonna lose a big part of your demographic. Um, and and I would say that understanding that you know from from what I saw about the the, the game in at, at Infinity Park, cold and wet and snowy, you're going to see people drop the ball you're going to see people make those kinds of errors it wasn't um it wasn't like they stopped playing they really were trying to play some rugby uh and that that's fun and we had a uh, pretty exciting finish in sacramento didn't we yeah both games are really exciting i mean it came down to overtime you had a penalty kick to win it in Denver. um home team coming back and that was really exciting and uh really physical game and sacramento was really exciting i mean they had to come back and win at the end of the game too um, and uh, once they got it back, I can't remember the exact score line here, but they're on, like, the right touch line, uh, you know, attacking outside the 22, and Harry Bennett drop, you know, just pulls up with a drop kick, and they're up, they must have been up two at the time, and pulls a drop kick out of nowhere. It didn't seem to be any kind of penalty advantage on, and he just drilled this drop kick that was pretty incredible uh, to put him up by a try's distance um, late in the game. So, you know, really impressive play there and some other impressive runs of play that happened throughout the game. Um, so I, I was definitely, uh, I thought it was a good uh, a good weekend for pro rugby. People within pro rugby or huge fans of pro rugby would probably say that I hate pro rugby and I'm anti-pro rugby, meaning the things I've said and, and tweeted and written leading up to this. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I, I, was, I was impressed. Um, I still have questions about the sustainability of the whole thing. Um, but, uh, well, okay. You can, you can set, se- you se- separate a bunch of different things, right? Cause you know, we, we know that the, the, the uniforms are ugly and, and there's no getting, there's no getting around that. And we know that we can still enjoy the rugby games and we can still be happy about certain aspects of things and then be skeptical about the business. Right. And that's, that's just, well, I, mean, it, I, you know, I think that's all that fair, said, right? if you'd have told me there'd be 3000 people or 3,500. I think they're saying around 3,400 or whatever at Bonnie Field for the first game. I would have said, I would have been like, I doubt it. I would have taken the under. Um, and I would have been wrong. Um, so, uh, you, you, kudos to them. They, they, 
did what they said they were going to do. They put butts in seats, and, and we'll see if butts continue to be in seats. You know, that game was also, if you wanted to be a devil's advocate, was two teams in Northern California a couple hours distance from each other. Um, so you basically had San Francisco fans and Sacramento fans. How many do you get when it's Sacramento versus Ohio when no Ohio fans are showing up? Well, maybe it's less. I don't know. If you wanted to play devil's advocate that way, you could. Um, and, and it wasn't the first weekend. There's a novelty to that. Like, I knew a family from Kansas City that drove up to Denver to say that they were at the first professional rugby game. But well, I'm sure that's the only game they're going to go to. So there, you know, there's a novelty to being in the first game, and will those people continue to shell out their their good money to, to go to other games? We'll have to see, but I, I, my perspective, right, I think um, you should have gone better. Bruce, we talked about the numbers before, right? And And, you know, if I run the numbers here and say that, they get 3,500 every single time out, which they won't get, but they get 3,500 uh, every time out in every game. That means they have to be bringing in about $86 a person to reach the $6 million that we kind of thought was your target amount of money. Um, now, what, 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 what are you hearing? What are you seeing about that potential now that the first week is is done. I think that number one, I was I would be in Pat's camp. I was definitely wrong about the amount of paying customers. They claim thirty five hundred paying customers at thirty to seventy dollars a ticket plus the fourteen dollar convenience fee for Bonnie Field, and then because of Ticketmaster, and then there's they say another. They said two or three thousand over in Denver. I don't, uh, you know. I mean, I, 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 I tend not to trust USA Rugby's numbers on anything. But you know, we'll, let's let's trust Pro Rugby's numbers for three thousand paying customers at at Denver as well. Um, it, it it didn't look as though that was the that was the amount of people there based on. The, the pictures or or anything else, but let's let's accept there there are places to hide in in Glendale where you, there's there's a there's a place behind that back stand where you can go and eat and do stuff. There's the places on the side where you can go and drink and do things too. So and it was cold and nasty out. So I'm not saying that everybody was necessarily outside as they would be under normal circumstances. But those numbers are that those are fantastic numbers for a first week. I don't think that they're at break even point, but they're certainly not at lose the entire six million dollars point. And six millions on you know, that that's the low end on the cheap. I think it would be more than that. But I think that where if 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 it goes and continues to grow from there, that'll be great. Um I'm still, like Pat, very skeptical. The spectacle is fine. I, I think that their marketing as as far as what they can do through social media, et cetera, et cetera, has been good. I think that the, uh, the pictures of the players make them look impressive. I think that the some of the things that they do at practice, while <laughs> I think some of the drills are a little bit hokey and you know, they, they, they look cool. They don't necessarily translate into rugby, but they do look cool. And and I think those have been done well. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. It's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of players out there and I was skeptical. And I know that, you know, that uh, Nigel Melville and Alex Magleby and the coaching staff have been tweeting themselves and they, you know, they, They've all been working together on making this work, and if it works, then they're geniuses. If it doesn't, then they're goats, big time. And they'll they'll screw a lot of players, and they'll screw a lot of people, and then they're going to look really bad. One of the things I was impressed by, and it's early, right? San Francisco and Sacramento are the two teams that have the least amount of international players. So it's not like San Diego, which is almost all capped players of some kind, uh, playing Sacramento and Sacramento wins. Um, but Sacramento had the least amount of international players by quite a margin. 
almost half the amount of everybody else based on the rosters I put together. Uh, and they went out and beat San Francisco by double digits. I mean, I, I was impressed by that. And, and the positives to all this, right, if I'm going to put on my rosy color, color glasses, is it wasn't every weekend um, that uh, a guy who thinks he should be at the top level got to go line up against Kyle Sumption and tackle him, or John Quill and tackle him, or Olive Khalifi and tackle him, or Mirko Pergamasco and tackle him. Well, that, that happened. Some some guys from Division One and Division Two club rugby uh, backgrounds suited up for San Francisco and tackled those guys, and the same thing. Some guys from Division One and Division Two rugby, um, and quite a few from Division Two rugby for Sacramento, went up and got to tackle Tom Kulikin and Alec Letzer and Jake Anderson and, and, and Volmy Rouse. Um, and, and it wasn't like they got run over a lot. Um, so, you know, Nick Blevins is a stud, and, and he got tackled quite a bit in that game. Um, so I thought that was encouraging. The only, the only thing that I saw that was kind of uh, humorous was in terms of uh, ability or talent was Jamie McIntosh just was like a man amongst boys and what I saw from Ohio versus Denver. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that I liked seeing was the opportunity for players who maybe has sort of been lost a little bit. Um, and, and, and he's like, oh, hey, whatever happened to uh, Michael Reed, high school All-American uh, scrum half who went down to New Zealand? Or... Um, even Patrick Latu, who's been in uh, in high level club stuff, but hasn't quite broken up there, or or Josh Einong, who was the part of the Elsie Allen high school team that was so great two thousand five, and then uh, got shot uh, like three days after that national final at uh, at a party. Um, you know, pe- people who just sort of like, oh, whatever happened to that guy? And it used to be that they would just get sick of it. The and and Pat. Uh, Bruce, you mentioned Brian Doyle and, and players that you've coached at, at at NIAC and how they might get tired and say nobody's nobody's calling me back anymore. Well Brian Doyle's on the team and and, and playing. And Tim Stanfield, who kinda gets ignored even though he keeps scoring tries whenever they put him on a team, is is there. So that kind of thing is is I think is really useful. Is that somebody who still has the desire and who kinda got forgotten about will maybe come in and at least have Something other than going to a national team camp where they've already got three guys like that, uh, and and come in and say, "Hey, I I, I still want to play and I still can play." So I kind of I, I kind of like that a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. What what are we going to see? Oh, do we think this is like? So we think this is an opening weekend um, novelty. There's going to be a little bit of a novelty at the opening home opener for pretty much everybody. Maybe Infinity Park will will probably grow in their their uh, crowd when the weather gets better, because people are kind of more used to going to rugby games in Glendale than anywhere else. But are we going to see anything else grow, or you know what? I, I don't know if they're going to grow or not. I Glendale obviously can grow because it's the weather was dreadful and the uh, and the venue is fantastic. The Pat was right on saying the San Fran and Sacramento, but from my friends in San Francisco, they said that it was primarily Sacramento fans, and they're maybe a little bit skeptical about getting the San Francisco fan out there, but having been in San Francisco and and playing in front of 3,000 people, it's certainly not, and paying customers at that, uh, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, perhaps I was wrong. Like I said, even even though all these things that the those don't remotely close to come to breaking even, but they certainly those numbers come a lot closer to breaking even than I thought they would. I, I didn't think they'd have anybody. So the fact that they've had several thousand people already that's a that's a hardening sign i i was not expecting that and and i think that's good on them for sticking to it and doing the work to make it uh make it get there 
standard of rugby, hey, look, I, I'm not going to sit and comment on it. All I know is that the guys look big, fit, and strong, and that they're providing a product that obviously people want to see, and they're and it's going to be good. So it'll be it should be a fantastic opportunity for everybody, and uh, good luck with it. I still a little skeptical as Pat is, and we said that a million times, but. Why do you guys keep saying that Pat well, no, no, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical? Pat said it first, and then I said, that's why I said I'm skeptical. Otherwise, I, I would you don't You don't care about me. You don't care about my feeling. <laughs> it really does. Um, the, here's the, the other thing is, you know, let's say they, they average 1,000 people. Let's you know pick or even seven hundred fifty. Let's say a thousand. That means that they can go to somebody and say, "Well, we had twenty thousand people come see games, pay to see rugby games in the season." And then you can talk about how many people on social media paid attention to it and <clears throat> uh, traffic on their website and all that other stuff. And you add that up to it with like a really big number. That's when you start to maybe translate that into something. You know, somebody throws a few dollars here. Somebody starts to to throw some sponsorship yeah. stuff in there. So, it, it, but but the, if if it's not zero, right? If their crowds are not zero, then they're able to at least hold on to that and get a little bit coming in. Um, I just um, um, you know. Here's the story. If there's a profit in it, somebody cares. If there isn't. Pioneers get killed. Lewis and Clark were not the first people to cross or try to cross across the country. First white people, of course. You know, that's the only people that um, history counts. Not for, not <laughs> for, uh, yeah. not for any, uh, any, any reason of, of goodness. It's just, but Lewis and Clark were not the first people to use... The American Indians who get them across the country, the the other ones died. Pioneers normally get killed, and the next ones survive. Early baseball killed. Early football killed. And the next next ones are you're you're right. And, and that's why this is look. The people can get a theft in in my eyes as an observer and not a person whose bank account is affected by it. And they can average a thousand people at these games. I think that that kind of they're going to set the market. They're going to let us know what the market is. I think for just rugby fans, because they've really done next to nil to market to non rugby fans. I know they're doing some community activation stuff, going to schools, going to churches for that. You know, they're not really quote unquote marketing. They're doing some guerrilla stuff, but they're not really marketing. Um, so no. uh, I think they'll set the market. This is how many people in America that already know about rugby and already care about rugby that are willing to pay tickets, pay for these prices tickets to go see it. So I'm really interested to see what that market is and if they can grow that market, and we'll find out. And if that market's 1,000 people, well, 1,000's not anything to scoff at. If it's 2,000, well, that's even less to scoff at. So we'll find out what it is. And so for that reason, for for this Doug Schoeninger to, to put his – pocketbook on the line and to set the market i think that i'm grateful for that all right well good start for the for uh for pro rugby and and uh you know we we continue to wade through the confused uh landscape that is uh college rugby i i I got one more thing for you this is it you guys know this before almost anybody else and that will be the uh, nominations for the Sorensen Award and the Schultz Award. And um, I, I'd say this with uh, trepidation. These aren't the nominations. These are the finalists. Say this with trepidation because I'm wondering what Bruce is going to say. Um, we have um, – we were supposed to have three finalists for the Men's Award, the Rudy Schultz Award. We ended up having four because we had a tie – I didn't want to break the tie. And those four are Dylan Audsley of St. Mary's, Lorenzo Thomas of Lindenwood, Gavin D'Amore, Morrison of AIC, and Malcolm May of Penn State. So the way that worked was uh, we had a panel who came up with nominations, and then the the college rugby public voted for to, to knock those nominations down to the finalists. 
Um, and I will, I know you guys don't really follow women's, uh, women's rugby as much, but the nominations are Hope Rogers from Penn State, Katie Lutton from North Carolina, and Saskia Morgan from Brown. Comments? Thoughts? Uh, Dylan Osley should win the men, and Hope Rogers should win the women. I'm on the panel, so I can't. Is that, I can't how was the that, champion decided here? The pan, we the panel that came up with the nominations comes back and decides the. Cha- the and who's uh, on, the um, on the panel? Uh, on the panel for the men is uh, Kevin Battle, Brandon Sparks, Sean Duffy, Gavin Hickey, and me. Okay. And on on the panel for women is Rosalind Chow, Kate Daly, Jackie Finland. Me as an advisor, Tam Breckenridge, and Tom Waka from BYU. Okay. So the only person with a real so they, clear conflict of interest would be Kate Daly, right? Correct. Um, and uh, you know that's that's fine. We 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 deal with that. Um, but uh, you know the the other thing is that we had. Uh, I, I think everybody approached it with a really good. Um, generous approach to it. It's not like they all just loaded up their nominations with with guys on their yeah. team. So I thought that was good. That was good. Um, <clears throat> Bruce, you got any thoughts on that? How do you feel about Saskia Morgan? Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> Hope Rogers is on the national team. She is a prop forward also at, uh, as well as being on Penn State. So I guess that would I think she also plays for Denver's pro rugby team. And um, on the men's side, I you know I, I would have to say Dylan Audsley. Uh, you know Malcolm May is he still needs to complete his game a little bit. And who was the other guy? Uh, Lorenzo Thomas. And Gavin Diamore Morrison from AIC. Lorenzo Thomas is at Lindenwood. So Lorenzo Thomas got his first cap this year. Uh, Diamore Morrison, he's a fifth-year senior at AIC Flanker. Uh, Lorenzo Thomas is a freshman. Malcolm May is also an underclassman. Dylan Osley, I'm not sure. He's, uh, I think he's is a May senior. still an underclassman? Um, <clears throat> he may, he may I think be. Dylan Osley might be a foreigner. Yeah. So if he is. D- D- Dylan Osley is a foreigner in that he does have a, a North England accent. He was born in the north of England, but he uh, he's been living. He he moved to Arizona as a as a high schooler, um, possibly before then. So I mean, he's been in he's been an American kid. Yeah, for no, a and, that, time. and that's fair enough. Then I would I would say that Dylan Osley deserves to win. Um, All really good rugby players, though. They're all really good, and there were a lot of good ones, and there were some good ones who just missed out. I kind of, I kind of was rooting for Bryce Campbell over at uh, Indiana, but um, you know, it's not up to me. Um, June eleventh at the Washington Athletic Club in Seattle, Washington, is when these awards will be given at a gala event. So it'll be pretty, it'll be pretty nice and swank. So if you're in Seattle around uh, June 11th, you should go see. And the Eagles are not playing on that weekend, so they're something something exciting to something to get excited about. So, all right, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, I, I think we solved nothing, but uh, judged everything. Um, <clears throat> don't forget to check out. Uh, Rugged Matrix International Show on RuggedMatrix.com. You can find the Rugged Matrix International and Rugged Matrix America shows on iTunes. Rugged Matrix America, show, America shows are also on Golf Rugby Report. Uh, Golf, uh, and uh, Rugged Matrix America is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy era. And check out news about them on Golf Rugby Report. Thank you for listening. <laughs>